So this week on the partner's desk, we welcome someone I've known for a while, but uh, really have little knowledge about what they do. Uh, I mean, at this point of the podcast, I mean, that's the point of the podcast, so it kind of fits. Uh, our guest today fights out of the Hewlett House in Columbia, is as of August 16th, the 106th, I believe, best welterweight fighter in the U.S., yeah, uh, yeah. weighing in at 169.4. Sedalia resident, Darian Weeks. Thanks for coming on, brother. Hey, yeah. How you doing, my man? Good. So I wanted to have you on for a ton of different reasons. So first off, um, being a Sedalia guy, you know, knowing each other, like you are coming up on probably the biggest fight of your career here in a couple of weeks. So you're going on September 7th, going to be fighting Josh, the renegade uh, Quinlan. Um, part of the Contender Series yeah. Week 2 in Vegas at the UFC Apex. So my question is, what nickname have you picked to sound as cool as the Renegade? Uh, yeah, that's the <laughs> number one thing that I've kind of gone through my career not having is just not having a nickname. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, they kind of twirl around with what to call themselves. Um, they kind of take some, uh, some things from the crowd, you know, and the crowd kind of brings them up a nickname. Um, but then I just came to the conclusion that it's actually more savage if you just go out there saying only your name, you know. Yeah. In this sport, nicknames has become, you know, kind of common, you know what I mean, from every fighter, you know. So I thought pretty much all the nicknames are taken anyway. <laughs> and if I just go out there and they just say Darian Weeks, you know, it's just like, oh, shit, this guy's only here for business, yeah. you know what I mean. No games, no funny nickname. It's just, oh, I'm here to fight, and that's my name, you know. So, like, this will be your sixth professional uh, MMA fight, right? You've Pro had fight. some boxing yep, yep. ones and whatnot. But um, what? tell me about, like, the ranking system, right? Because mm -hmm. it seems to me like the top 10 or 20 are, like, kind of household names. Yeah. And then everybody's just kind of fighting for exposure after that. Like, here's a perfect example. I did this research about a week not a week ago, but, you know, four or five days ago. Mm -hmm. And then by the time today I did some more research, you had already moved up in the rankings. Yeah. Like, describe to me how that kind of works. Now, that works with uh, win-loss, um, how you win, um, what round you went in, and what fashion you went in. So, um, like, the win-loss ratio for one, which I've come to see that it's not really a big factor because um, there's some guys that are ahead of me who are, like, five and two you know what i mean yeah um but i think it's more in the fashion that you win you know if you get finishes if you get knockouts if you get submissions um that that kind of moves you up the ladder you know quicker than guys who's going to win by decision by decision now in that sense i probably moved up because there's probably some guys that were ahead of me a couple spots that either only won by decision which kind of took their stock down a little bit or which lost to somebody who had a lower record mm -hmm. so they went down the other guy probably only went up one and then i took the spot above me so so what's the what's the number i mean obviously number one yeah right? for sure but what's the number where you're like damn like this is my entry like this i'm here to stay like you're already right there on the cusp of 100 yeah. is it do you have did you just pick a random number like 53 or like do you have an actual uh i i I don't know about an actual number, but I mean, I've been watching these rankings for a long time. I remember when I was at 354, you know what I yeah. mean? And um, to see myself kind of get up in there in the top 100 of 
I mean, United States, you know what I'm saying? That's a big deal. Um, yeah. But I think my number, you know, I mean, somewhere in the 20s, you know, I'd, I'd feel like, you know, that's when I'm at the top, I'm at the elite, I'm, hey, I'm the prospect that people need to watch out for. I already feel like I'm that prospect, but yeah. at 20, I feel like I gained that respect. Yeah, I feel you. So, I mean, Quinlan fights out of Vegas. He fights out of, I think, the Milestone mm-hmm. Martial Arts, um, what do you call it, gym? Yeah, gym, yeah. That's, all right. Um, hometown advantage isn't really a thing in MMA, is it? Um, not really. I mean, the most thing that you can have with hometown advantage is, uh, I guess, comfortability. You know, you don't have to go somewhere that you're not familiar with. Yeah. Um, I guess all your friends and family, you know, you know will be supporting you. Um, but in fighting in a, on a stage that we're fighting on, you know, for the UFC, for right there, you know, on TV, everybody's accessible. I don't feel like hometown advantage is really a thing. Um, it's just, you know, we're in an arena, and when we're closed off in that apex, I feel like, you know, we're both going to be in un- untainted territory. So, I mean. What's the process to get on the contender? Because I remember watching the old Everlast stuff where the boxers used to fight in two camps yeah. and they bring them out. Like, it's similar, I'm guessing. I, tell me about um, the contender series. series is a thing that Dana White created kind of for small town people like me, you know, uh, fighters out there that were good fighters. I mean, dominant fighters, but never got that opportunity to kind of get the limelight. You know, if you don't li- if it used to be when MMA or boxing, you know what I'm saying? If you don't live in a big city, you ain't getting that limelight. If you don't train at a big gym, you don't get that limelight, you know? Um, but Dana White created the contender series to kind of put the limelight on the smaller town fighters you know what i mean there's some smaller town fighters that are out here putting people to work you know what i mean yeah. and so he kind of wants to you know get some new blood into the ufc so with that being said the contender series is kind of like you fight as hard as you can in these small town shows and these um kind of feeder shows i fought in like lfa uh, fac stuff like that um and those are kind of feeder shows where that's like, oh, they're they're on a big enough stage for you to get looked at by people other than in Missouri. And then uh, then you see if, you know, you, you've done good enough to where you get on the contender series. And finishes is Dana White's number one thing. You know, when you get finishes and finish after finish, and I mean all five of my fights so far have been finished, um, that's what brings his attention to you. That's what he's like, okay, this guy's going to be exciting to see in the UFC. When people turn on a UFC card, they want to see somebody get knocked out, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, other people who appreciate the sport, they'll appreciate good jujitsu and rolling around and good defense. And, but the majority of the crowd, especially in the United States, want to see somebody get hit in their face and put to sleep, <laughs> period, you know? And so he loves when he gets that, you know, attraction from smaller town fighters. So he gives them a stage to put it on, and if you can put it on the same way you put it on in lower town shows and – Hey, you got a contract, and you know, and then you'll be on the next step. So, what we talked a little bit before. So, like, what mm-hmm. does what is at stake? What is the contract? Like, if you don't have, I don't know if you can share details yeah. or if it's widely known, but I'm pretty sure it's the same for everybody, which is like, I think 18 months is what I was saying, not quite two years, but uh, or four fight contract. Um, and that's given to you. I mean, some people who win the contender series don't always get the contract. Um, you know, if you don't win in the fashion that's 
surprises Dana White or something that he feels like can be marketable, you're probably not going to get the contract. You know what I'm saying? You have to step out there and know to put on the show, um, which I feel like that's what I'm I'm very good at. You know what I mean? I'm, gonna, uh, I'm a showman guy when I'm in that ring, yeah. you know, and not just, you know, something that's like arrogance or anything, but, I mean, just something more like gladiator-wise. You know, when I'm in an arena, I, I come to kill and then, yeah. you know, get out. Yeah. It's Darian Weeks is yeah. the nickname. Period. Like, you business, know what I'm saying? It's yeah. business. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, like, I, I as I was doing research, I knew that you had fought a lot. Uh-huh. Amateur and you had gone and done some professional. Obviously, you've done five MMA fights and mm-hmm. then you've done two boxing bouts. Yeah. Right? So, I, this is kind of a two-part question. So, like, you fought, like, 18 times as an amateur. Oh, yes. Like, for a guy who's not in the octagon or in the sport in general, that seems like a lot of fights. Definitely. Like, so do you feel a toll after those 18 amateurs and then going to professional, or is it such a widely different sport almost once you get to the professional level that you're like, oh, those were just more intense training sessions? Yeah. Well, in, in a sense, yeah, in a sense like that. Um, now I did so many amateur fights just so it kind of primed me for pro. Um, I wanted to know when I got to the professional level that I wasn't going to have any mistakes. I was going to be a fun character to watch. Um, I was going to be a dominant performer. Um, and that meant, you know, whatever I do in my amateur career, I need to do. You know what I mean? Take as many fights as I can. Let's do a ho- Let's see how many fighters I can be in front of with different techniques and, you know, especially opposed to mine um, and see how I can adjust to that, see if I can, you know, overcome and everything, which, I mean, I applaud my amateur career as well. I think I have about three losses on there, mm-hmm. but never gotten finished. You know what I'm saying? Um, all 18, 19 fights I've, you know, gone through the whole fights or finished the other person. So I feel like that really got me ready for this next level to know that I can overcome things, you know what I'm saying? I can see different diverse in people's fighting styles and then adapt to my, adapt my own fighting style and you know uh go ahead and get the w from that um so i would say yeah kind of like more intense you know training you know what i mean because in pro it's a whole different other level you know they throw in knees to the head now you can elbow you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. ankle locks are illegal you know what i mean so in pro it's kind of like it's kind of like fighting for your life when you get to professional you know in amateur you know it's i mean it's still a dog fight, but um, you know it's not it's not as gruesome. You know, what I mean, there's not as many things that can happen to you. There's not athletes at the pro level are training. I mean, three four times a day. Um, so I mean, that puts you up against a, da- a more dangerous opponent. So I use that to kind of yeah boost myself up to get ready for this level. And then once I did, I mean, as you can see, I mean, five finishes off the jump. I mean, I I mean, I felt like I was pretty ready. So like. You have those five finishes. Those are very good finishes. Mm-hmm. But then you also have these two boxing bouts that For you sure. did. Do you kind of sprinkle those in so that you can work on uh, more of the boxing technique so that you can throw it into your MMA? Or is that one of those things where it's like, ah, eh, I know I can fight, I can box, make a little bit of extra cash here. Like, wh- What's the mentality behind that? Um, yeah, that's like uh, – that's – Kind of, yeah, the, t- the two reasons, really. I mean, for one, I mean, I'm, I'm a person who is in love with mixed martial arts. Boxing is an art, is an art form, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so I, I jumped right in when I got the chance to do it. But not only that, every MMA match that starts with both people standing up, you know what I mean? Uh, so boxing kind of gets you that movement, you know what I mean? Gets you that 
hand play. Make sure you uh, make sure you know what you're uh, dealing with when you go into the ring and get in there and, and you know strike with somebody. You know, I wanted to make sure that my striking was the most proficient that it can be, especially at a level like this. You know, guys train all types of arts. They do jujitsu tournaments. They do boxing matches. They do kickboxing matches. I think Israel Adesanya did like something crazy, 65 kickboxing matches before he ever stepped in MMA cage. You know what I'm saying? That's what made him an elite striker when he went there. So I wanted to get that different aspect of different arts as well. I might as well try them and compete in them and make sure, you know, I can do well against, you know, a striker or, you know, a ground person. You know? So do you consider yourself more of a ground and pound type of guy or, or do you actually like sitting up there and trading blows i love trading blows um i definitely definitely love trading blows i'll strike all day um regardless if he's a striker or not but i also um i'm not afraid of you know tweaking my game what i did start out with is yeah i was a wrestler i was a wrestler in high school mm -hmm. so i became had that wrestler mentality already going in there. I mean, and if you can hold somebody down on the ground and pound their face in, I mean, why not? You know what I mean? Get the W that way. It's the easiest way possible. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, just the thrill of, you know, tagging back and forth, having to move your head, having to strike back. I mean, that's something that I, I feed off of, you know, even if we're in sparring, you know, I don't care if a guy is banging me all day, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. going to sit there and trade with him and, you know, let's go the distance. Uh, you so think it's more theatrical, like it's it's a definitely, better presentation. To definitely a better presentation, yeah. which, I mean, also you see fighters like uh, Khabib, you know what I mean, who's winning there and made wrestling kind of, you know, a fun thing to watch as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, who doesn't like seeing another person mounted on somebody and just beating their face in, which is good, you know what I mean? And I'm glad I have the wrestling background because it keeps me out of a lot of dangerous positions yeah. as well. But like you said, yeah, it's more theatrical for, oh, us to trade. It's, you know, everybody in uh, in here watches action movies, you know what I mean? They yeah. only see, oh, they're standing up and trading, you know, they're not grabbing each other on the ground or holding their arm or nothing, you know. They're sitting here trading back and forth, kicking in the face, you know. So I like having that aspect of my game. You don't see Jason Statham take somebody to the ground. Period, you know what I mean? <laughs> Period, you yeah. Know? So I love having, the, having that kind of uh, give people that kind of action hero type mentality on me. Yeah. So, with all these fights, a lot of them kind of, it's, it, they seem to be about the same amount of part. Mm -hmm. So, four to six or eight months, somewhere in that range. Is that because you wait for the phone to call, or do you pick and choose, like, hey, I need a, a month just to get my head straight, and then we're going to go back on the grind for however long we need to? Yeah. Um, what, is, what is your... Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of guys take off, you know some considerable amount of time after a fight, um, especially, you know, depending on what kind of fight it was, you know, if it was a dog fight, you know what I mean, and they've got some bumps, bruises, some split eyes, you know, they got to take off to kind of reheal those. Um, I've been lucky in my uh, pro career so far not to really have experienced any of those in a fight. So um, I kind of stay training pretty regularly. I might take uh, four to five days off, but I mean, I'm back in the gym, you know what I mean? Because uh, I knew the goal wasn't finished. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to reach a goal, and so that to me means I have to press every day, um, even when other guys get to take their days off. Um, but yeah, for me, I was just waiting for the phone to ring, you know, uh, which came up with those boxing matches too. I mean, the phone rang in that way, and I said, "Yeah, let's go." You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anytime I, I I would take a fight uh, as fast as a month uh, a month later, or 
I mean, shoot, if I'm feeling good, I'll take a fight, you know, two weeks, three weeks later, you know. It, it, this game is what you got to be used to because Dana White will call you in short notice and, I mean, you got to be ready, you know what I mean? That's bread that you are either turning down or, you know, getting. And not only that, that's kind of dependability of the, of the company. Uh, oh, is this a dependable fighter that we can just call on and he'll jump in or is he going to be somebody that's kind of babies himself and like, oh, no, I only want fights I can win. Yeah. I feel like I can win every fight against any opponent in the world. So I'll be, I'll re I'm ready at all points in time. Well, you got to have that mentality. I mean, especially Period. if somebody's going in to nearly kill you. I mean, Literally. you got to be ready for not that outcome, but you got to yeah. be ready that this guy is going to do everything to everything. you. Everything. So speaking of the schedule and fighting so quick after, like you fought in the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, like over in Bahrain, and you spent some time in Australia, right? Yeah. Like, those fights were like three days apart. Literally, like is that is that? S and obviously, it's amateur, right? Yeah. So you're like, well, it's maybe not as like there's no knees to the head, there's no this. Yeah, that's it. Ain't like you're a cakewalk. Yeah, right? it ain't a cakewalk. And um, it's just uh, and that also gets you ready for like a short notice fight, you know? Because yeah, like you said, I actually those things were like you have to fight every day for five days in a row or every day for three days in a row. And not only that, not only are you only fighting those days in a row, you're also having to make weight that day. I walk around about 197 pounds, you know what I mean? Um, I make yes. weight at 170. Yeah. Uh, so it's an intense thing when you have to maintain that weight or even get to that weight in a short amount of time. So uh, it's something that also just, you know, it kind of put a different grind on me than other fighters got to go through. Other fighters in this amateur career, they do the same thing as a pro career. They will do a fight, take some months off, do a fight, take some months off, do a fight. Um, with that, with me giving me that, I was ready to prime to fight at any point in time. I mean, taking a fight, five fights in five days, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a that, like you said, that's not a cakewalk, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and you're getting so many different opponents, you know what I mean, attacking so many different angles, and you're having to change your game plan um, every day. So it also gave me primed up to, at any time, I can adjust my game plan. Whatever happens in a fight, okay, well, I'll go to something else, or, hey, I'll do this instead, or I'll approach them like that. So it gave me those quick thinking reflexes, um, which I really, uh, I'm really glad that I did those tournaments like that because it just, you know, set my focus into a different angle. Well, so, so we talked again, um, beginning of this and before, like this does have the capability to launch you into a, it's already a serious career, yeah. but like a true UFC. For sure. Because you are the main event. Yeah. You and this Quinlan are the main event, which I thought was interesting because the rest of the people on the card have nearly four times as many fights as yeah, you guys. Yeah, 20 or some odd fights. Yeah. What, what do you know what is so special about having, is it the coming out party for both of you guys as opposed to these other six or eight guys? I think it's more of, now these, I, I looked up the guys as well, and these guys have, you know, 20 some odd fights, but at the, in that same sense, um, none of these guys have ever gone five, five fights in a row with five finishes mm -hmm. at all. Um, no, these guys will win two, three, lose one, win two, win one, lose one. You know what I mean? So uh, they're kind of um, they don't show as a consistency. I think yeah. as me and Josh Quinlan do when we walk into that cage and we mean 
business, we put the business down, and then we get out of there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's what they're looking for when they put us at the main event is these guys are going to finish one another. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to come out on top. Um, so I think that's what they're looking for, that little firecracker fight, because me and him haven't, you know, taken an L, said no to anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've gone no retreat. Um, so they know that it's going to be glove to glove. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think that's kind of what put us there at the main event that we kind of establish or bring a different presence than the other fighters in there. Not to say that the other fighters aren't good, you know, aren't great fighters, but I mean, some people are just have that tooth and nail and kill instinct. And then some people, you know, coast a little bit. Yeah. Well, so I want to talk a little bit about um, leading up to this, right? Mm -hmm. So you've known about this for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And so you, I'm sure, knowing you and what we've talked about earlier is like you got on the grind immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You start watching film. You start uh, working out. I mean, you're a business owner. Yeah. Right? So, like, you can kind of make your own hours. Flexible a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what does a typical week for a professional MMA fighter look like? Horrible. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, well, um, my business doesn't open until 10, and I usually do my uh, training in the afternoon into late evening mm -hmm. because no, we don't ever – there's never been a time where we fight in the morning time. It's always in the afternoon or late evening. We can shout it out. It's the Weekly Barber here in downtown. Yeah, Stay. yeah. Appreciate <laughs> you guys. Yeah, the Weekly Barber. Um, but, yeah, uh, so I kind of, you know, take those times to do it. So every day at 2 o'clock I'll go train here in town at the body shop. Um, and I train there from two to four and I do, you know, like sprints. Um, we do some weightlifting, tons of mitt work, tons of bag work. Um, cardio is key. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we do, you know, cardio strength conditioning workouts like that. Um, then I go back to work. I work until about, um, six to seven o'clock. Then I drive my way up to Columbia, uh, to the Hewlett house. And yeah. then I train about two and a half to three hours up there. Um, and that happens about, uh, four to five days a week. Um, my coach always gives me a hard time to tell me to take some days off. Uh, I have a hard time taking days off because, you know, I always feel like nothing's, you know, happening on my days off. Well, so you always feel like the next guy's. Literally, yeah. you know. And so Sundays, um, I train probably two to three times a day. And then on Saturday, I try to give myself a rest day just because, um, you know, I work all day anyway. And Saturday's a busy shop, busy day at the shop. But then again, I still end up going late night sparring on Saturdays just to try to get some different work in with some guys. Um, Jiu-jitsu, if I can't make up to sparring, I'll go ahead and do some jiu-jitsu. But, I mean, it's it's a full workload. Uh, I will say that it's almost like a second job, you know what I mean? If yeah. someone is out there and, and has two jobs, I mean, it's about working like that. But let's say that your second job, you literally work as hard and as fast as you possibly can. So when you're working out, so the only workout that I've ever – gotten into mm -hmm. is when you're for football you're getting bigger faster mm -hmm. stronger that's it there's no exceptions you're trying to just be bigger than the next guy true that is like the complete opposite of mma because you have to compete within a weight range within a weight so range, like yeah. you walk around at 197 mm -hmm. right but fighting at 169 170 yeah you go to 210 because you just put on a bunch more muscle. Well, yeah. now you've just made that cutting period that yeah, much pretty harder. Pretty deep, yeah. Yeah. So how do you balance that? Because well, you do want to get stronger, obviously. You do want to get stronger. But then we do it like kind of a different strong. So um, like I was saying, how we condition for our 
for our muscles is we do stuff like uh, ball slams, um, sled running. Um, we do like like a lot frog of this weightlifting. Yeah, more of functional movements. More functional movements. Yeah. yeah. What we're trying to do is we're not trying to strengthen or increase the size of our muscles so much as yeah. we are trying to k- increase the tensile strength of our our tendons you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. um okay. the harder your tendons are the harder your joints can stay together the harder you can hit um it's like uh, i tell these people all the time it's like um getting smacked as hard as you can with a feather opposed to getting smacked as hard as you can with a rock um yeah, they're okay. gonna come at the same speed but two different outcomes, you know what I mean? Yeah. The feather you may not even feel, but the rock is probably going to split you open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just about hardening our body more than it is increasing the size of it. Um, and also you just have to uh, – it's about being able to last long. So we do shoulder workouts that are going to last for over five to six minutes in a round. So, I mean, we may put our timer on go five to six minutes, and then do consistent, like, punching, you know what I mean, as hard and as fast as we can with nothing in our hands. Because, obviously, that simulates the same thing as if you're in a fight. Mm-hmm. You're swinging as hard as you can for those four to five minutes. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's definitely – I've had some football workouts that, you know, I've kind of kept around mm-hmm. um, just because they do uh, increase strength without increasing um, size or weight. But I've also had to put a lot of workouts down just because – yeah, they do make me too big. You know what I'm saying? You go yeah. in there too big. You're not as fast as you were. You're uh, not as <clears throat> really healthy as you are because then, yeah, you're saying I would have to cut way too much weight now. Now I go in there dehydrated. Now I go in there fatigued before the fight even starts. So How, how long in advance do you start cutting so that you're not just absolutely dehydrated or malnourished or anything like that is it a week is it two weeks um i do it like i get from 190 197 198 to like 190 191 Mm -hmm. about two yeah two to three weeks out and i don't start cutting from 190 to 170 until about four days out um, so yeah, it does some. It's it's pretty deep cut, pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but what I'm trying to do with that is just trying to dehydrate the body. Um, I want to keep my strength. I want to keep my muscle, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that, you know, I still weigh in at 170. So what we do is, we dehydrate the muscle just so you don't carry as much water weight. Yeah. You still the same size. You haven't lost any uh, muscle mass or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day we get 24 hours, uh, maybe, you know, 28 hours to rehydrate before we step in that ring. So I like to come back in around 190, 191 when I step back in that cage, just so I still have all my strength, all my size. And most of the time in this weight class, you know, it, that matters with a lot of people because they don't come back as hydrated or as heavy as I am. So it is a... 95% about the hydration, right? 95%. That's the easiest to cut, easiest to get yeah. back. So how do you – does your trainer – you work with Moppins? Mm-hmm. Is that – he's your trainer basically? Yeah, here Moppins in and uh, Rob Hewlett. Yeah, yeah. So those guys basically walk you through this process, or is it something that you basically could do with muscle memory now? Or yeah, at the beginning, yeah, it was a walkthrough of the process, um, especially uh, my first few fights. Um, I didn't want to cut anything. That's when I fought at 185, and – it was just horrible to cut, you know what I mean? I was scared yeah. of it. I didn't like it, you know. Um, but as I got more familiar with the uh, 
with how to do it and the concept of it, mm-hmm. um, I was able to cut down, you know, 20, 25, 26 pounds, you know, yeah. and, and feel okay. So, yeah, they kind of showed me the ropes, and then within that, I took my own way, and I critiqued it, uh, like, so much as meals I would eat, you know, weeks prior, weeks before, just because they kind of do um, – they kind of hold a little less carb in there, you know. They kind of hold a little less sodium, so that you don't have to attach the water to your body necessarily. You're you're free to pull it out your pores. Have you just done a deep dive on nutrition? Like, is this because it is it plays such an important role in professional sports in general? Like, how could you basically blow any nutritionist out of the water? Like I don't know about you. And I like, don't know about uh, blowing any nutrition out the water, but I have. Um, and you know, and nutrition is different for everyone. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I have I have created like a um, kind of cheat nutrition for myself. You know, to make my body do one thing when I want it to do it, and then to do another. Um, so I have kind of, in a sense, become you know more in tune with how my body reacts and how my how my uh, muscles and you know everything react to different types of food and what makes those foods better for you when you're going into a fight and what makes the foods worse for you if you have before a fight. So I have done a lot of, you know, grown in knowledge about nutritionists, but I don't think I can quite blow a nutritionist <laughs> out the water yet. <laughs> do you, when you work with, we talked about some of the companies here in town that yeah. you're working with, do they help tailor if you say, they say, here's this, you should have, no, 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 I think I need to have, Yeah. do, do you talk with them on that level i uh, do um sd fuel is a big one um they uh they definitely have a lot of choices that work for me well um they have uh vegetables you know rice um beef beef i'm a, I'm a big fan of a lot of people are not a big fan of eating beef when you're cutting weight like that um because they're you know they're thinking oh you got to shred up you need lean meat but since i'm only dehydrating my muscles i i keep my beef intake because i want the red meat i want the testosterone boost i want the you know the gorge after i come into a fight you know what i mean and then i substitute it with you know along with vegetables and stuff like that so that i can lose that fat that little bit of fat we have around our muscles and then eventually dehydrate my muscles when i need to but uh chicken i'm just not a fan of chicken i've eaten (laughs) chicken so much that i didn't it tired me out you know so uh (laughs) I'm not a big fan of chicken. Um, I'll probably eat chicken probably only three, four days before the fight. That's just because, you know, I'm trying to lose so much weight, you know yeah. what I mean? But so much is my diet throughout. Um, yeah, SC Fuels helped me a lot. And then Quench has definitely helped me um, just so much as they do a lot of fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. I mean, I've never, I've never had a place. You know, we've never had a place here in Sedalia that's no. done that at no. all so um, now we got a couple like, yeah it's crazy so when i when i got a hold of that um that's just a quick way to just get a whole lot of fiber in um a quick way to get a whole lot of nutrition that you never get from you know daily intake no one eats vegetables like they're supposed to every day no. at all i don't care who you are um and just having them being able to just get a quick smoothie put some peanut butter over the top of it and go yeah oh that's that's beautiful <laughs> to me so like What's your team look like? Because you're a professional athlete now, mm-hmm. and not now, you have been. Yeah, but, but, like, still, but still. You're a professional athlete. A lot of people you see, they have teams of 20, 30 people who are yeah. media man- uh, social media managers, uh, assistants, all this stuff, nutritionists, uh, trainers. What's your team look like um, 
here around Sedalia and even in Columbia. Yeah. Well, I do need a few more people to handle social media. I'm not too well at that. <laughs> but um, we'll talk after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, my team uh, consists of probably um, probably about eight people in total. Um, I got um, some mid coaches, uh, Jose Zaragoza, which he's a professional boxer here in town too, um, and his brother Miguel Zaragoza. They pretty much uh, control all of my so much as striking workouts. Um, they're real smart in boxing. They're real knowledgeable. Um, so they keep me um, up on you know what what moves I should use. You know how I should move my head. You know just the basic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I got John Moppins, of course, as you know. Um, I use him more of a just kind of a conditioned cardio coach. Um, yeah. He's real smart and he's real intellectual about how to condition the body. Um, he has a lot of weird um, workouts that I think, you know, when he says them, like, oh, they're never gonna make me tired. And then within 20 seconds, I'm fucking breathing hard. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, he does a good job doing that. Um, I got my coach, Rob Hewlett, up in uh, Columbia. Um, he's just a, he, he matches me so well because he has he has embodied the mentality that I have, you know what I'm saying? He's grimy, he can teach me how to, you know, look for the moves that's gonna just put somebody in just a wincing pain, you know what I mean? Even yeah. if it's just an elbow to the eye socket and just pressing it there, you know, we kinda yeah. work on different things there. Um, my wife, Carmen Smith, she's one of them. I mean, she controls a lot of, you know, whether my doctor's appointments have coming up, uh, flight schedules she controls all that she controls um when i'm supposed to be somewhere you know um i leave that all in her hands like i don't i mean without her i probably wouldn't be anywhere you know what yeah, i mean yeah, like i uh, have any flights yeah seriously you know <laughs> what i'm saying so she makes sure all that's going on um and then i got my management team uh, iridium management um i got jason house and uh joe wooster um which thank them they got me the opportunity for the contender series um and they kind of control you know where my fights go um are they local guys or is it kind yeah of a joe rooster's a local in uh independence oh, okay. um but yeah jason house is out of las vegas so their whole company is out of las vegas um which i was kind of blessed that they had a local guy down here that i've actually known for years in the fight game really oh, perfect. so it was perfect yeah. yeah um and they've got you know so much as getting me set up with opponents, um, getting me set up with interviews, getting me set up with uh, new sponsors. Um, and then uh, I got uh, Will and Will Starks and uh, Dallas Jennings, uh, and they kind of, uh, you know, work as my, you know, training partners. You know, they get, they simulate, they watch the fighter, and then they simulate any type, type of movement that he does, and then that's who I train with. You know, I spar with them. They do the same striking that any opponent that I go up against does. Um, they sh they try to uh, uh, attack different things that I'm weak at when I'm in sparring. If we're not getting ready for a guy and we're just just practicing, they kind of you know do things in sparring that kind of I don't kind of I kind of shy away from mm -hmm. just to get me comfortable with any opportunity like that. So I mean I mean I got quite a team I would say um, that that back me up and that we are we're pretty uh, we we may not be the biggest team but I'm um, definitely we we get the work done for sure. So. Let me ask you this. I tried to do some research on the Hewlett House. The mm -hmm. only other person that I really saw on, um, oh, shoot, what's this website? Tapology. Yeah. was like a, another amateur, or not another, an amateur yeah. fighter uh, named, hold on. I don't have this up right now. Um, oh, shit. This is great podcast material. You're all right. Here. You're good. Uh, Nick, nasty Nick. 
Nasty Nick. That's my guy. He actually yeah. moved away from us. Uh, hopefully, he comes back. I think he's planning on coming back. Um, he's moved out to uh, Texas now, but that man is one of the hardest workers you'll ever meet in your life. Really? I mean, he has a cardio that will never die. Um, we'll be sparring five, six, ten rounds, and, I mean, he keeps the same pace. He doesn't yeah. never die out. He consistently keeps coming forward. Um, he consistently keeps attacking moves, even if you've denied the move four or five times, even if you have cracked him 50 times, he's still in your face. I mean, he's putting a pace on people. It's ridiculous. Um, he came up in amateurs so quick. Uh, I believe he lost his first amateur match, but that was only because he fought two weight classes up. He literally fought a guy that was 205 pounds and why he weighed in at like 164, I think, you know. So, um, I mean, he's ready to take on any challenge. Yeah. Um, and he even made that a dogfight. Like, he he made it a dogfight. And, I mean, his amateur career is coming out beautifully. Uh, I look to see him in a top-level pro organization here in the next, I'm going to say, like, nine months. I mean, he's really? he's that good, you know. So I, I appreciated him, too. I was sad when he left, but, you know, people got to chase their dreams. Yeah, exactly. So, like, are there people when you go to Gila House or even if you see some of the trainers mm -hmm. here that you kind of work with or some other athletes that you're working with, you're yeah. like, this guy's got it. Like, period like obviously nasty nick yeah he's got it is there anybody else that you're yeah mervin miller he actually used to be amish um he he went you know uh the amish got this kind of thing that when you turn 18 you can yeah leave for two up. weeks yeah, yeah yeah and then either choose to come back or not um and in that two weeks uh mervin found mma and i mean he's been a dog at it ever since um i think he's about 20 21 now um and he's been training with us for about three years and that man is 225 pounds of pure meanness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's the nicest guy you'll meet because you know how the Amish are. They're real passive people. Yeah. Which is funny because, I mean, when he gets those gloves on, I mean, he's coming at you. He's attacking you with everything he's got. Um, and I love having him as a training partner as well. He's actually 6-0 uh, and oh or 7-0 and oh as an amateur right now, the number one uh, 205er in amateur. And he's about to do another amateur fight for LFA, uh, the promotion I fought on, mm -hmm. for pro right before this fight. Um, so he's coming up pretty quick. Um, and he's a guy that I, I mean, we're going to see on the scene, yeah, like I'm saying, nine months. I mean, after this next amateur fight, he's probably going to go pro, and, I mean, he's going to make waves. Golly, that's crazy. Yeah. Going from being Amish, never watching a fight. So just beating the dog out of people, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a blast to see him work. It's a blast to see how his mind he picks up things so quickly, you know. I can show him a move, and one day, and then, then the next week, he's using it on me every time. Like he's known the move for years, and I'm like, I mean, it's just he's just got a mind for it for sure. Is it so? I've seen some pictures from the Hewlett House. It mm -hmm. feels like there are a lot of um, athletes, a lot of fighters in there. I'm sure there are some that are just doing it for working out, and yeah. some that are actually like, this is I'm trying to make a career out of it. Are you the big name in the Hewlett House? Are you? possibly their um, first step into being like a nationwide uh, known gym? Or I I'm not really sure how these yeah, different little gyms work. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, the gym definitely going to blow up. Uh, I wouldn't like to say that uh, I'm the main name. Uh, we got a couple other pro fighters in there. Dallas Jennings, um, he fought the Quinlan guy that I'm about to fight. And then um, Will Starks. Um they're great names too, and they're and they're professional fighters as well. 
Um, I I just like to say that I I, I am a, a solid footstool for them though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a good a good guy to go on on national TV, uh, impose my will, and then holler yeah. them out, and then they can understand that oh this gym breeds some some pretty savage guys. Yeah, especially if uh, you have to remind me of the Amish guy's name again. Oh yeah, Mervin Miller. Mervin Miller, yeah. Especially yeah. if he comes out and both of you guys are just yeah. having at it. Just It'd be crazy. Dude, that is awesome. I actually, when you said you were um, down to come on the podcast, I was like, this is going to be awesome. I have no an idea about anything about MMA. Yeah. Like now, so like I've tried to watch some fights, some uh-huh. of your fights, right? But it's kind of hard to find them like i remember when you guys were over in australia yeah, like yeah. trying to figure that out like trying to watch yeah those. that was difficult yeah i know <laughs> but um i mean you're gonna be on espn plus yeah um tuesday september 7th september 7th at 7 p.m that's when it airs dude that's gonna be so sick so um let's see what was the last i had one or two last things oh oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we were talking earlier about um you have uh had or still have like your own podcast, um, not your own podcast, but dedication. Yeah, in general dedication. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Connor Moriarty ran the Shout podcast out, for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what are you guys still building that brand? Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, uh, we are. Um, it takes. Um, you know, some brands go. Um, you get those lost periods sometimes where yeah. you're kind of trying to recreate, um, look for a different form, um, and I think that's what we're in the process of doing right now. Um, but I think we kind of got a, a new design on our stuff, a new a new kind of spin on that. Um, so I'll be look, we'll be looking to kind of let that out here in you know maybe a few months or so. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely still up and running. It's definitely a, a thing that I like to do. I like to take local businesses, podcasts, um, really things that people have made local in the in the town that we live in, yeah. and I like to take them up to that next stage. Obviously, you know Nike's already up there. Why do they need my Why do they need my attention? You know, mm-hmm. um, Adidas and stuff like that. You know, yeah, you're already making you know billion billions of dollars. Why not feed the little people? Yeah. Um, and so that's really what my basis is as well. Um, I do this and I portray my I portray myself in my sport so vigorously and so aggressively because I want to be a platform. You know, mm-hmm. people want to be up there and they say, hey, I want to be you know the next big thing. I just want to be a platform for the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mostly what I'm what I'm doing this for is, you know, my, by my, by me providing opportunity, I can get somebody else who's going up there the same way. You know what I'm saying? You know, it, and I don't mind anything riding on my coattails because, you know, that's why, that's why I work the way I work, you know, why work so hard not to help the person behind you. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. that's what America has a problem with right now is people work so hard for themselves and then they forget about everybody else. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of, I just kind of want to be, you know, kind of a gateway for a lot of people to be able to um, pursue and uh, be active in the things that they want to be active in. So I actually, it's very funny that you mentioned that because about, I don't know, an hour or so ago, mm-hmm. uh, more than that, hour and a half, I had a guy come in who wanted to talk to me, and he just texted me a little bit ago. His mm-hmm. name is uh, Nathan Buxman, and he works mm-hmm. with Athletes in Action. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, I'm not, I'm it's not. more of a... Uh, Christian fellowship for oh, yeah. professional uh, college professional Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. Beside the point, what he told me, and this is kind of what I think you were talking about. He goes, a lot of athletes focus on mind and body, mind and body, mind yeah. and body, like, and what other people think of that, of those two um, 
legs on yeah. a stool, right? He goes, well, you need a third leg in a stool. And he was talking about spiritual. He was talking about yes. community, uh, community um, feelings, not just um, the opinions of others, but yeah. giving back and everything. So when you're here in town, are you actively searching for people to bring along for the ride or is it kind of when somebody meets like when quench says hey yeah we'll we'll tailor these drinks or sc fuels like hey we'll take you you'll take them up on that offer or do you actually proactively go out um i need to be more proactive uh in my career right now i've been a lot busy you know what i mean um yeah maybe not a lot busy maybe just more lazy than anything you know what i'm saying <laughs> it doesn't sound uh, like you're very lazy yeah <laughs> but uh you know just just kind of not doing over over the top stuff you know what i'm saying i don't overreach you know my goals which i should learn to do more just because yes it does get it does open those doors for other people um but yeah uh some in some senses i do um so maybe not with so much of businesses now businesses come to me and then i you know i take the hand of them and i say yeah you know if this something that i feel like needs to be projected i will go ahead and use my platform to project it um you know it's all about you know what you believe in as well you know what i mean um but in a sense, also, I mean, I do stuff like for my community, as in I have a uh, boxing class for kids. Um, I do that uh, three days a week, and then I have a boxing class also for adults. I do that four to five days a week. So um, I also try to, you know, put myself in that position to, if I can't help out businesses, help out personal people as well, you know what I'm saying? If I can't, you know, you know, broadcast something for you or, you know, promote something for you, I will go ahead and uh, be a promotion for you and getting your body healthy, you know, um, getting your kids active, um, you know, kind of just that stuff, you know, learning self-defense, whatever that is. So um, I haven't yet broadened my horizon out to, you know, grabbing other businesses as fast as I can, but I definitely um, am open to that. Yeah, I definitely am, you know, if, you, if there's a business out there that wants to come talk to me about, you know, getting your name out there or just, you know, putting me on your um, on your tag list just so I can, you know, spray you around, then, yeah, I'm, I'm totally 100% for that as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, over the next, I guess it's three weeks, basically three weeks, um, till you fight in the contender series in Vegas, you'll probably get there a few days early, kind of get your bearings. Do you even think about what September 8th looks like? Do you even consider that that's a day or are you so locked in on September 7th? Yeah. I mean, just for this being an opportunity, that's such a such a high level opportunity yeah i don't i can't find myself reaching past that now i see what september 7th night looks like yeah. you know i see my hand getting raised i see blood on the canvas i see you know me getting the finish i definitely see that every every night i go to sleep um but past that um what the next morning looks like i can't fathom you know what i'm saying yeah um what what this opportunity will bring me uh bring the people that are around me um, bring gyms that you know that I'm a an affiliate at. I can't I can't really you know fathom that part yet. So I mean, and I I think I think uh, it's just 
because it'll be something that's super um, unfamiliar. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and not some, not necessarily something that I'm not ready for. I'm totally 100% on board and ready for whatever comes. But I think it'll be something that's uh, pretty spectacular that, um, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you can't envision it. You just got to wait and see. Kind of like, you know, when you're a kid going to somewhere that you've probably never been, you know, that you're super excited for. You can't really fathom what it's going to be like until you step into that moment and you're like, this is insane. I think that's kind of the same thing. I mean, I'm so excited now. I mean, I've watched some MMA, but mm -hmm. I haven't watched a lot. But the fact that I know somebody is going to be on ESPN Plus. Uh, it starts at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time on Tuesday, September 7th. Um, the Dana White's Contender Series um, at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. Um, the main event, Darian Weeks, Josh Quinlan. I really appreciate coming on, brother. This has been a ton of oh, fun. Oh, it's been a it's been a blast. I always love, you know, um, talking about it anyway. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Especially since it's an opportunity that I'm excited for myself. So I love people who are eager and as excited as me. I mean, I love sharing that with them and then also with the fan base that they, they have as well. Well, I appreciate everybody watching with us. Um, thank you for Darian for episode six of the Partners Desk. Oh, yes, uh, sir. Yes. We'll uh, – We'll follow back up. We'll have you back on because sure. I mean, oh, yeah. you can go get the dub after then you the have w. another couple of fights definitely, after that. Definitely yeah, got to so. get you back on. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, we're going.